0: For Ariel and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Happy to be joined in studio by a former NHL goalie. He's Mike McKenna, a friend of the show. We always enjoy being able to catch up with him.
2: Mike, how you doing, man? Hey, thanks, BK. Great to hear your voice. Nice to be in studio. I'm doing really well and woke up to some good news this morning that my daughter was happy because she went to bed before the Blues finished their game against Calgary. Sure. Oh, And uh, she woke up, watched some highlights, and was... Real happy this morning, guys. Yeah, that's smart. I
1: thought she would have stayed up for it all. But it's smarter to go to bed and wake up happy than stay up and
2: go to bed upset. At 10 years old, yeah. that yeah. kid needs the sleep. Yeah, She's got sure. practice tonight, guys. She needs the energy. Yeah, a little goalie, <laughs> right? Yeah. Take it after dad. Yeah, it um, it was not encouraged. I can promise you that. And my wife is really angry about this. She had to deal with me long enough. Um, but the fun part to it is it's something we're really starting to bond over and learn how to yeah. work together. You know it, that that parent kid relationship isn't always easy mm-hmm. in coaching, um, but she's really taken to it and she she loves it. Like I've she's watching NHL clips on her own and, awesome. and really. Excited to watch the Blues play, and that's only been in the last year. And again, it's not something that we're we forced. It's just How's the so butterf- she's
1: discovered. It. How's the butterfly stance?
2: Good, um, good butterfly. She's really been working on her power pushes, and now her post integrations. Uh, we're gonna phase in puck handling in the next one. But <laughs> no, man, it's dude, it's that's just it. so fun. Like regular, pa-
0: regular Patrick Waugh.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> new head coach of the New yeah, York Islanders. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So let's start with the game last night. Um, When you were, I'm sure you in your career have been parts of games like that where you just don't show up for the first 40 minutes and you find a way to squeak it out. Mm -hmm. You've also been on the coaching side of things where I'm sure you've seen a team where you're like, okay, we played horrible hockey for 40 minutes, but we found a way to pull it out. When you have a game like that, how do you treat it the next day?
2: Well, you wake up and you're happy you won. You walk in the locker room after you won, but you also know you kind of pulled a fast one. Because even though the Blues won with, what, 48 seconds left in the game was when the game-winner mm-hmm. went in from Saad, they don't that their output for the full 60 wasn't what it needed to be. But you can also look at that game with some caveats to it that, boy, you hate excuses in the sports world. But it is your first game in mountain time. You're moving out west, sort of a road trip, right? It's These games happen. Right. And finding a way to win, I think, is different for the Blues than it is for other NHL teams at this stage, because they want at least a dozen games this season before they came from behind to win, basically. You know, and and this is still only the second time this season in 20 games that they've been down going into the third period that they've won a game. So. It, there's a little bit of both here for the Blues. Um, for myself personally, I'd just be mad that our team didn't play well for full 60. But when you look at big picture, man, they came back, they stayed in the game, even when they got down three to one. And in the second period, that was after a pretty big penalty kill. Yep. Like I thought they were going to get some juice off the, the kill of the Sunquist penalty, and Calgary scores twice right after that. Because um,
0: that's when Calgary's momentum started was after mm-hmm. their penalty kill, and then it started going for them. And you thought, okay, maybe this will flip back the other direction, and
2: didn't. It, it, it didn't. And I mean, Bennington was outstanding. Markstrom made great saves early in the game too. I mean, I'm watching this from a goalie perspective, going, "Wow, this is this is this is pretty loose hockey." But oh I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm having fun watching the goalies. <laughs> um, and and then it, it, it kind of started to, to tip towards the Blues, and you could feel like it. Just a little shot of momentum got them going, and, and it just. Whether it was, I mean, I think Shen, even if he hadn't scored on his breakaway, just having that shorthanded opportunity yeah. kind of gave him some life. And when the puck goes in, it it, it changes everything. Right.
1: So, so you've seen. I mean, you've been watching this team all season long. You've been on the call with Curbs for plenty of them. I've seen you at Enterprise Center, Mike. Do you feel any different about this group under Drew Bannister compared to what they were
2: under Craig Berube? I do. Yeah. And and man, it's it's hard to say because. Craig Berube, was he's as good a coach as you're going to find right um, and I've spoken to this before it it felt like that tenure had run out with this group. Um, the difference I see with Bannister is there does seem to be um, a little less panic to the team when they get down the the losses don't turn into five nothing um, they still turn into three one or three two or they now do have a chance to come back mm-hmm. so I think they have a bit more resilience under him I think it's been built through structure as well they are playing to me a consistently more direct game you know they, they don't retreat as often they're moving forward and do I feel as good about them as a team hey the Blues are still missing the top end talent to some of the other teams in the league but when they play hard and when it's consistent through the lineup They can beat any team. I mean, they knocked off Vancouver less than, you know, three weeks ago. Two they're facing this evening. That's a top team in the league. If they can play hard and shut down top lines, keep tight gaps in the neutral zone they can play against anybody
1: that seems to be the infuriating part for me and I, I get it. it's a retool it's the roller coaster of a season but when you see the team play like they did against Vancouver when you see the way that the team played against the Vegas Golden Knights earlier this season and you're thinking okay this team if they do this every single night you're talking about a team that's pushing for a playoff spot but you got the first two periods last night that felt like yeah they're probably not as invested in as you think and then the third period just took off
2: is that just what retool teams look like it can be you know until you start to build that consistent culture and and frankly until you have the talent in place to make that happen it comes through depth guys you know and that's the hard part for the blues i think is that they've got a lot of really good players they have a good lineup it's not a great lineup right now they can overachieve you've seen that but the great teams have that depth scoring and that depth detail you know Mm -hmm. like and, and let's the real realistic look for me at this is that had Jacob Vrana and Sammy Ka- and Kapanen come in and really put points up, yep,
1: yeah, this team would that's look a lot different, yeah.
2: right? And and le- and they were both reclamation projects in a lot of ways, right? You know, you're coming off of waivers, and and I think Kapanen's done a good job um, defensively at least, yeah. and he's chipped in,
1: but but he has four goals in forty two games. That's
2: what it comes down. You've to. You've gone from the UK. fourth liner to the top liner. That's right. So there's a lag to every player that we've seen in world juniors this year that was so good showing up in this lineup and it is a bit of a holding pattern but there have been really really positive steps taken by this team in the recent weeks and especially since Bannister's taken over
0: those guys that you just mentioned the the reclamation projects that they took on last year kapanen verona and belay they have a combined seven goals this year for the st louis blues and you look like at what they did last year, Yacou Barana had 10 goals in 20 games. Right. So what's the difference? Where, where did the lack of scoring come from? Well, they thought they were going to get one thing from these guys, and they ended up being something completely different. And when you look at the lineup, this is what we were talking about earlier, Alex. And I, it's kind of my, my perspective is a little different on it, where I, I'm kind of where you said, I, I just don't know that they have the talent to be like a top-end talent. Mm-hmm. And when you top-end team, rather, and when you are in the midst of a retool, it can sometimes be really frustrating. We're night in night out. You're not getting the same effort and you feel like, why aren't they getting more from Thomas Kyrou and Buchnevich? And if they had that depth of scoring, you might not even notice that they're not getting that on any given night from Thomas, Kyrun and Bucinavich because you're just getting the depth of scoring, mm-hmm. and it it feels so much more important. Where when those guys aren't scoring right now, it's like oh well, they don't have a chance to win. Yeah, they, uh, they can't win when those guys aren't scoring.
2: You know, I'm I'm really in the same boat with you here, BK. I think that's that's a really accurate assessment of the club. But I mean, again, too, we've we've talked about the forwards a lot. Like, look at what's going on on the back end and how well Pareko and Letty have played for this team, yeah. right? Like, Pareko's been awesome, man. Like, I, I'm. You look Is this at it, the best you've seen him with the Blues? If it's not the best, it's it's there. Um, and I think that there's a perennial frustration that he's not going to turn into a Victor Hedman 70 <laughs> points a year guy. Like, it's just not his... What it's going to be, or turn
1: into Chris Pronger and Crosscheck, people yeah, in the back yeah. of the net. None of those he two was were mad happening tonight. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was,
2: was chawed in. <laughs> I couldn't believe he it. Said, I was like, Who is that? <laughs> he said, "Get the f he out here to somebody." He did. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I now I,
1: the camera didn't show it. Maybe he apologized afterwards. That's <laughs> Colton Pareko. <laughs>
2: but at least he said it. <laughs> yeah, man, he's invested. But you know, you look at those two. I think they're plus. You know, they're like plus dozen fourteen combined between Letty and Pareko on a team that half the team's minus guys yeah. by a decent clip. You know and um, you're trying to find responsible players, man. Like those two have done really well for the team. Um, I've been impressed with them, and I, guys, the goaltending has just been rock solid, man. Like especially these last couple starts for Bennington, he's five one one his last seven guys. Yeah. Like and and just patient, letting the puck come to him. He's in the blue paint. He's not chasing the game as often. He's been just mentally laser focused this year. It's been a great step.
1: Is that the reason and I know we're still a little bit away from trade deadline but once you exit out of that all-star break that's when everybody starts talking about it is your goaltending the reason why if you're Doug Armstrong you say look we're only a couple of points out of this maybe we're not going to sell but we're not buying let's just stand pat and see what this team can do.
2: Uh, I I think you need to be smart about this if you're Doug Armstrong. I mean the team yeah you wake up this morning and suddenly you're a couple points out of a wild card spot. Blues are probably going to be hovering around that wild card all year long. Mm -hmm. And, man, it would be amazing for them to be able to make their way in. It's doable. It can happen. You're not going to add pieces to make that happen. You can't buy your way to a playoff appearance when you really don't have the horses. So you've got to be really judicious in what you do if you're Doug Armstrong here. And I think, I mean, are there pieces that can be moved with this lineup that would make a difference, that would result in a good return? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, frankly, you know, Kevin Hayes, we're just... You know, that's a guy who's got some value on the market, right? Especially what his cap hit would be. Um, there's others I think that you look at. But if I'm Armstrong and I'm looking at my goalie core, I think Joel Hofer and the detail to his game and his trajectory has made Jordan Bennington a better goaltender. I think that we tend to emulate our goalie partners at times. Hmm. And Hofer's very in control. He's very crisp in his movements. Um, past goalie partners for Bennington. Right, Jake Allen was like that. He mm-hmm. was pretty crisp in what he did. Thomas Kreis, all over the place. Okay, um, Chad Johnson. Remember that one? Yeah, I okay. do remember that one. You know what I mean? Like, and that's those guys are all better than I was by a long shot. But I really think that when you're looking at the other person at the other end, like a Hofer who's who's so mechanically detailed, and you see what that success is in a, a really modern goaltender, I, I think it pays off because to me, again, it comes down to control in your game. When Bennington has his feet set and he tracks the puck. He is phenomenal. You look at his hands. The glove saves. He mm-hmm. had a couple glove saves last night. He tracks the puck as well as anyone. So when his feet are set and he's ready for it, that makes a difference. I would want to keep both of these guys. I would not want to move either goaltender at this stage.
0: We're talking to Mike McKenna, former NHL goalie, here on 101 ESPN for just another couple of minutes. I, I do want to continue with that thread because we get a lot of texts, as you could probably imagine, about – Hey, do you trade Jordan Bennington? If you could get a haul in return for him at the deadline, is that something that you would at least consider if you're Doug Armstrong? You clearly are on the no side of that. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you an, an amended part of that question. We talked about this a bit yesterday, and we looked into some of the recent goalie trades. There's not a ton of them, and even when there are, you don't get as much in return as what you'd expect. Why is that? When you think about what it takes to win a Stanley Cup, you need the goalie to perform. And yet teams don't seem to value it on the trade market the way that they do a defenseman or a forward. Why, why is that?
2: Well, that's because there hasn't been many goaltenders that have come up not within an organization and won a Stanley Cup. How many teams have traded for a goalie to win a Stanley Cup? Interesting. It's been rare. Um, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights last season had Aiden Hill, who they traded for during the offseason, who did a good job for them so did Logan Thompson, so did Laurent Prosois. So did, you know, like yeah. they had a whole platoon on, behind a team there that worked. Historically, you've had to develop goaltending from within because they hit their prime mid 20s, late 20s. You have their best years, you don't have to overpay for them, and I think teams have caught on to that that it's not worth a first round pick for a goaltender that you may not re-sign. So or it's if like they have backs in turn- the NFL Yeah, or if they have term, what what are they going to be like towards the end of that contract? And you're stuck with it. You have a more sure bet being able to do it within. And that's where, guys, if this was Joel Hofer's second or third year in the NHL down the road, boy, I'd entertain that thought process of of moving Bennington if that was the case. But right now, I think those two are so good for each other. You're also looking at Hofer's future here. Having Bennington around, having a support case there as well for him— is good. I wouldn't want him to be out there on his own playing two thirds, three quarters a game.
1: So maybe I'm forgetting somebody, but other than Washington, so Colorado with Darcy Kemper was the other goaltender that they acquired Another in the offseason. off-season. Yep. But other than those two, and I mean, Vegas, you're, you're absolutely spot on. Like the other two guys you just yeah. mentioned were a part of that organization from the start. And it's an expansion team, too. But so. I'm going back to 2010, like the three the Blackhawks won was either Antti Niemi or Corey Crawford, Jonathan Quick, Boston Bruins had Tim Thomas, Pittsburgh had Flirt. Murray and Matt Murray, Washington—they're all in house. T- all in house. All Other than the last two seasons, which I mean, you could argue a lot of that was because of the play in front of the goaltender. Sure. Because mm-hmm. both Darcy Kemper and Aide Hill were good, but they weren't right. shut down goaltenders.
2: And what this comes down to is, on top of the performance of the goaltender, it's also the salary cap of it, right? That's true. You know, I mean, it, you don't want to bring in a goalie that's going to cost you a ton and give up assets to do that. You know, I mean. Uh, John Gibson. Couldn't I make the
0: argument, just to play devil's advocate, that teams should be more willing to do this? Like maybe, maybe this is almost the tail wagging the dog is because teams don't trade for the great goalies, because they don't become available, because they don't trade those assets, you don't see but, Edmonton or Toronto, etc. But the times
1: the that we've seen goalies get traded, and I brought it up last yesterday, Brian Miller, typically when the goalies get traded in season, you don't see success from that team because either
2: the goalie falls apart or the team falls apart in front of them. It takes about a month as a goalie when you've been traded to get used to your new surroundings. Interesting, From my perspective, sure. having been traded. And... That's too late sometimes. And, you know, the trade deadline thing for goalies, I do think... Now, because I think you might be onto this a little bit, though, that teams should be more willing in that those mid-level contract goaltenders is who should be mined out. It shouldn't be trading for Connor Hellebuck at the trade deadline. Sure. You should be looking for an Aiden Hill or an undervalued goaltender previously Kemper Kemper, that can get the job done because now the Delta between the best goalie and the worst goalie in the league is so small. Mm -hmm. It really is guys like goalies are better than they've ever been that in season it's tough, but off season making the right deal is totally viable. You bring a goalie in to start the year. You think and win a cup you're in business, but to do it mid season for me, that's, that's a, Big-time roll of the dice.
0: Final question that I wanted to get from you, and thanks for the time, as always. Talking to Mike McKenna, former NHL goalie here on BK and Ferrario. When you look at the Western Conference right now, you mentioned you think that the Blues can be in contention. Mm -hmm. They can be in that maybe fighting for a final wild-card spot. Is the Western Conference worse than you expected it to be? Not at the top, but at least in that middle, where there's not really teams that seem to be pulling the way that, at least the way that we thought, maybe.
2: Uh, It's hard to... I don't think it's worse. I just... I find there's there's a lot of murky middle here where all of these teams are kind of in the same stage. They don't know who they are. Hmm. What's your identity? What's Nashville's identity? What's Arizona? What's even Seattle and Calgary? You know, when you think of those teams... How do you define them? Calgary? No clue. You guys saw it last night. Listen, <laughs> Bass- man. They're the <laughs> blues of last year. Dude, they're they are they're all over the place and they have been for a while. And the blues, yeah, yeah, they're retooling. They do some things pretty well. Arizona, hey, they're still a little bit young mm-hmm. and, and they're they're getting some great goaltending that's buoyed them from Connor Ingram. Um Nashville, man, they cleaned house to change culture. That's yeah. actually now that's actually a team that I'd be kind of worried about is Nashville because they jettisoned off Matt Duchesne and Johansson, who are both two of their top centers, and they're better now. Mm-hmm. They did addition by subtraction. So the West, to me, isn't as strong this year. Um, I don't think that the Pacific Division especially is what it used to be, even though Edmonton's scary. 14th Street. Yeah. Holy cow! They, they <laughs> well, like,
1: <laughs> looking at their schedule in January, I don't think they lose again in the month of January. They, they, they might should. not. yeah.
2: And, and But I mean... Strength of schedule matters. I mean, the Blues just got through a really tough portion here and managed to stay afloat. Okay, so um, I think the West is isn't as strong, but I still think once it doesn't matter, guys. Really, like the top teams are the are the ones you're really worried about. Yeah,
0: he's Mike McKenna. Always appreciate him hopping in studio with us. Mike, thanks for so much for stopping by, man. This has been fantastic.
2: You guys know I love it. It's great to talk to you.